Entrepreneurship has become a global phenomenon. Uncover the stories of entrepreneurs and investors worldwide, from Sub-Saharan Africa to Silicon Valley and beyond, here on the Global Startup Movement. Now, here's your host, Andrew Berkowitz. Welcome to the Global Startup Movement. My guest today is Kyle York. Kyle is the Chief Strategy Officer at Dyne, a cloud-based internet performance management company headquartered in Manchester, New Hampshire. In addition to his efforts at Dyne, Kyle is an entrepreneur, startup advisor, and angel investor who has played a major role in the establishment of a vibrant startup ecosystem in New Hampshire and the greater Boston area. So Kyle, I definitely want to start off with the story of how Dyne was founded. Great. Thanks for having me, Andrew. Uh, excited to be here uh, representing Dyne and uh, Manchester, New Hampshire. Yeah, Dime was actually a really fascinating story. We're, we're sort of a long-term startup. You know, we were founded actually in 2001 in a dorm room, literally, uh, in Worcester, Massachusetts at WPI, Worcester Polytechnic Institute. And it was four original founders who started with the simple premise of how do we remote access back into our dorm room from the school's computer lab or the classroom? And I mean, that may sound crazy today, uh, given we all have, you know, <laughs> you know, smartphones in our pocket and laptops and everything you can imagine. It's connected to the Internet. But back then, you know, the way in which you needed to do that was to you know, give a human identifiable name to an IP address that lived on your your home network or your you know, home machines. So something like an Andrew dot com would be your your name, as opposed to trying to remember a bunch of IP addresses that were changing at all times. Uh, and this was sort of the founding of the company, was this consumery um, home remote access type technology. At what point was, did the transition happen, and happen from you know, just a dorm room project to, you know, oh wait, you know, this, this is a business? Yeah, in the story, I mean, I wasn't there. I'll get to when I joined. But I mean, you know, the story as I've heard it is, you know, they... The guys put a donation button on the website because they were trying to figure out the, the service I'm mentioning, by the way, the original service was free. Um, so they put a donation button on the website and within two weeks, $40,000 came in um, from the user base of about 25,000 users. And they were they, they always joked they were really on the hook, right? It was, oh boy, uh, we should probably move into a data center. We should run this service. Uh, in a data center more professionally than under our you know dorm room uh, on the dorm room tower PC under our desk, and that was really where came to be a real you know, a real company you know informed and you know incorporated itself and started to provide you know uh, paid for uh, subscription services around domain names and the domain name system DNS, which is. To this day, our foundational technology service offering, but we just happen to do it for uh, you know much larger companies and enterprises and service providers, and you know not just you at home. So, is that the point at which the company moved to uh, to Manchester? Yeah, so we moved to Manchester. Actually, the guys you know got out of college and spent a couple of years in Worcester, and in two thousand six, were looking at expansion and how they could continue to evolve the business and. Actually, two of the co-founders 
had moved on at the time and Two of them happened to be from Manchester, from rival high schools. They didn't know each other in high school. Um, Tom Daly was our CTO and Jeremy Hitchcock was our CEO. And they decided, hey, why not you know, move it to our hometown? Uh, and that's what happened. It was 2006. And so you came on 2008. Yeah, I came on in 2008. What, what basically happened is, you know, the company had grown to a couple million in revenue and they were thinking about how it could really scale beyond, you know, the 10 to 15 engineers it was and, and that revenue clip. Uh, and so we took the same sort of framework of putting, you know, a domain name to an IP address and the IP address in an enterprise or a business might be your your co-location or hosting company or your cloud company or, you know, wherever you host your, your web or application infrastructure. And they decided to build the same type of tooling for a global enterprise business. And, you know, the difference was the, the customers just weren't just showing up because, you know, the B2B sale was very different than the, you know, free to $30 a year consumer uh, offering. So I got recruited in uh, to run sales and marketing. I was from New Hampshire, but I was actually living in California, working for my former uh, SaaS uh, startup. And I got, you know, recruited in to, you know, sort of be, I mean, candidly, kind of like a like the go-to-market co-founder they never had, <laughs> um, just happened to be you know seven years into the startup journey. At the time, what was the thought process behind being headquartered in Manchester? Because I mean, in 2008, if I'm building a startup in that area, I'm either going to Boston or New York, right? Oh, so, I mean, totally. What, what, what was the mindset? Yeah, so they, I mean, again, they were both from here and, and the company had actually bootstrapped, so it never raised a dollar of funding from 2001 to 2008. So when they moved it up here, it was really about staying lean and mean and efficient, right? The, the cost of talent, the cost of real estate, all of it was a different measurement of that. And, and then also just the quality of life, you know, being in, you know, we're just about an hour or 50 miles, you know, north of Boston. So just about an hour north could still kind of recruit from that talent pool. And they were realizing that more and more folks were living in northern Massachusetts and southern New Hampshire that were very accessible from a talent pool. Now, for me, uh, moving back from California to New Hampshire in tech uh, wasn't exactly a safe bet, <laughs> right? I didn't know necessarily a lot about the technology, you know, the, the domain name system, DNS, our core technology. And also, you know, I was making a bet on myself. I think I was 26 when I moved back and I was just getting married. And so it was really a risk, right? It was like, okay, I got to learn this technology and learn this market. And uh, geez, I really hope I'm as good as I think I am at selling and marketing. And, you know, moving back, one of the things that we did really early and Jeremy and Tom pushed from, you know, the, the move back to New Hampshire was, to try not to be the only game in town and double down on supporting the New Hampshire and Manchester startup ecosystem, but also include ourselves in the greater Boston, New England startup ecosystem, as opposed to being too parochial or competitive. Um, let's all think of a much more rising tides mentality and invest back in that ecosystem. For me, selfishly, it was well, what if this dime thing doesn't work out? I want to make sure I have options, right? But you know, candidly, uh, the long game of it is to you know make sure there's tons of options for careers and and jobs uh, for um, our talent because now Dine's about 430 people. We're going to cross over 100 million recurring revenue very shortly this year. It's a big company, and a lot of the talent we've had over the years, you know, some like the bigger company environment, many of them like the startup environment. So 
the seeds that we can create in the startup community to sustain Manchester and New Hampshire and our talent, our workforce to, to stay in the state and, and thrive in the state, we believe is a critical long game approach. Right. Well, that's, I mean, that, that's really interesting that, you know, Manchester is plugged into the Boston ecosystem, sort of, because I know typically VC firms like to invest in local companies. So like a Silicon Valley VC firm wants to invest in Silicon Valley companies. But it, it seems like in being in Manchester, you still have access to the capital in Boston yeah. with, with the low burn rate that comes along with Manchester. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, we, you know, at our size and scale and our growth rates and our gross margin, I mean, we, we're a really exciting SaaS company, right? And I think that's proven. I mean, we've actually now raised, in 2012, we raised our A round. Um, that was four years into my dine run. We had grown the revenue to about uh, around 25 to 30 million run rate that calendar year. And, you know, we're basically able to raise a $38 million Series A round 11 years into the company's founding. Um, so, you know, very kind of interesting fu- fundraising story. And we've raised an additional $62 million since then. <laughs> so we're now, we've fundraised $100 million uh, and all from, you know, New England-based venture capital and private and, and sort of growth equity. So, you know, our, our investors are Northbridge Growth Equity and Pemplona Capital Management. And, you know, I think good companies rise up wherever they are. Um, I just saw actually that um, uh, Revolution Capital, which is Steve Case's capital, just raised a $500 million fund just announced uh, last week or early this week to invest in companies not in Silicon Valley. I think the market around venture capital, where startups are getting built and created, you know, early stage fundraising just in general with, you know, sites like AngelList and others, you know, it's just changing the dynamics of how companies think about scale and sustainability. Uh, and, you know, I think you also have companies going back, especially us here in New England, you know, being kind of of Yankee origins, you know, really thinking about, you know, how do you get profitable <laughs> um, and how do you sustain profitability so you can, you know, be customer funded, not all venture funded. I think all these things are at play in the early stage as well as at the later stage like we are. Yeah, I mean, I, I think you, you hit the nail around the head. I mean, I actually just finished Steve, uh, Steve's newest book, uh, The Third Wave, Yep. Um, which, which definitely dives into that. So, I mean, can you give us a quick idea? Like what, so you, your Series B was, was $50 million. Yep. What, what kind of runway does that give you in Manchester compared to Boston? It's a tough question to answer, to be honest, because every, every company's got you know, different expense profiles across you know, their gap class investments, right? I mean, I think, I think we, even with the $50 million, have always operated under the ethos that we'd like to you know, remain cash flow break even or hovering right, or li- right around the lines of profitability, give or take, right? So you know, for us, I don't know exactly how to answer it because we're a straight SaaS company, so all of our revenue is recurring. If we if we retain our clients and we land and expand future clients, you know we're going to continue to grow. I don't have a great answer for that. I mean, one point of reference I could give you is you know our office space, for example, we have about eighty thousand square feet here in the in the mill yards of Manchester, New Hampshire. You know, we pay like five bucks a square foot per year in our real estate costs, right? So compare that to, you know, New York or Boston or London or San Francisco or the Valley, and you're talking, you know, a serious cash savings. I think at this day and age, though, in the recruitment of talent, the cost savings aren't as great as they once were because we're actually recruiting from the same talent pool as any Boston or Cambridge or Seaport, you know, area startup, right? So, 
but it's definitely, um, I believe, a whole new a whole new ball game. You know, we're a little further along, right? I mean, but you know, as an angel investor, I've got a portfolio now of about thirty companies, and I've focused as much as I can on the greater Boston ecosystem. I try to focus on enterprise software and SaaS companies, but a, a great amount of the companies I'm involved in. I think why I'm helpful in them is is the ones that are based in the valley and trying to give them a little bit of a different perspective than the culture that you see out there and celebrating funding and exits and not necessarily celebrating uh, sustainable growth, profitability, things that are kind of just core to a guy like me who grew up in a small local family business and thinks if you don't make profit, you don't eat, right? So it's a different ballgame and I think you're going to continue to see it be a different ballgame in internet companies. Right. Well, I mean, I, I would love to dive into your, your angel portfolio. Can you talk about some of the companies you've invested in, I mean, specifically in, in the Manchester area? Yeah, sure. I mean, like I said earlier, I mean, one of the biggest keys for me has been how do we build a community around, you know, where we grew up, where we live and work, you know, where Dine is so that we have a long-term uh, ecosystem. So, you know, in the Manchester area, you know, it, it, candidly, there, there's, there's a lot of, there's a lot of great early, early stage companies, and then there's a lot of great companies that are a little further along, uh, maybe not all quite like Dine and carrying the flag for the ecosystem, but doing pretty well. But there's companies I'm involved with, um, like Adored is a you know small business marketing application. Uh, Flow Track is a network flow. Um, company that helps enterprises, um, you know, secure their their networks. Those are a couple that I'm pretty heavily involved in. I'm also really involved in uh, the Alpha Loft, which is a nonprofit that I'm the chairman of the board of and have been for several years. Which is the entity headquartered in Manchester, you know, funded and supported by Dine and the University of New Hampshire and others uh, that promotes entrepreneurship and innovation in the state uh, and runs programs and different educational courses and you know fundraising uh, events to support that local startup ecosystem. Uh, another one's called Align Meeting that's local here. And again, I've been trying to do more and more locally to help cultivate that ecosystem. But there's others, many others that are also kind of in Boston because I'm from my seat, New Hampshire and Manchester is going to be more relevant by being more relevant in bigger and broader established ecosystems as well, right? So the successes of companies in my portfolio, like a, a Fastly, which is a content delivery network, or a Catchpoint, which is a website monitoring company, or a Distill Networks, or a Datanize, which is a sales intelligence platform. Hey guys, those companies are more and more successful. As I'm a board member, or advisor, or investor, that money and the success of those companies is going to flow back into where I want to live, work, and play, right? So I think if we start to think about ecosystems a little less parochially and more long game and how the success of startups and portfolios of individuals lead to the foundation and creation of a long-term sustainable ecosystem, we're going to be much better off for it. Right. And so is there a... Is there an angel group that's in Manchester or, I mean, is it really just plugged into the Boston ecosystem? Well, it's both. I mean, it's both. You know, I personally run two um, angel list syndicates too. I have a $2 million syndicate uh, in backers called the SaaS syndicate on AngelList. You guys can check that out. Um, I also have my own personal syndicate on AngelList. It has about 500K. 
in backers. Uh, I think we've done 10 deals or so through those syndicates, and I'm always looking for you know New England and New Hampshire-based startups to prioritize. I think I say that right in my personal syndicate. There's some different groups here, specifically in New Hampshire. Borealis Ventures is the the state. They're an investor in Dine um, and really good friends. Jesse Devitt, Matt Reitmeyer, Phil Furneaux, really good guys who've been operating as a venture capital firm here in the state for years and years and years. I'm supporting companies like us and New Forma, which is another larger scale company in the area, um, doing really well. Uh, 10X Venture Partners is an angel group uh, here. There's one called uh, Ecoast Angels on the seacoast of New Hampshire uh, that does a lot. Um, but a lot of it's like, you know, more personal angel uh, money. And I think a lot of it's sort of untapped here in this state. You know, people choose to live in New Hampshire. You know, you don't just randomly end up here. It's a choice. And I think you have a lot of people who are really passionate about the state and want to give back. And one great way to give back is to help support entrepreneurs and help them scale. Switching back over to Dine, um, you know, one thing we've learned on the show is that entrepreneurship is really a, a universal language worldwide. Um, whether you're in sub-Saharan Africa or Manchester, New Hampshire, you're going to have ups and downs along the way. Kyle, I would love for you to take us to what you would consider Dine's lowest point along the way, your, Dine's toughest moment. Tell us that story and how you guys overcame it. Uh, the story I'd probably tell, which is a, a sensitive one, was back in 2012 when we raised our Series A round. Big $38 million round, you know, great infusion of capital in the business, you know, really exciting future ahead. And about six weeks after the fundraising closed, um, our, one of our co-founders decided that he wanted to take a break, move on, go get his MBA, uh, you know, take, take a little time off, recharge. I mean, he'd been with the business since 2001. So imagine you just raise a round based on a really highly functioning you know, five-person executive team. You raise a, a big round for growth. One of the key critical components of that decides it's time to hang them up uh, in, the, in the journey with, uh, with Dine. So, I mean, very tricky one to navigate. Fortunately, I mean, I'm proud to say four years later, the company has continued to thrive with you know, obviously very much with his support. But, you know, I think that was a... Uh, an unbelievable challenge for us in, in board and investor relations for a company that candidly didn't have investors and didn't really have a real true governance type board until late 2012. I would love to uh, dive into a book recommendation and then we'll say goodbye. Great. Well, one that I really love, especially for entrepreneurs, I mean, we all have to get up every day and go to work, <laughs> right? And if you're going to get up every day and go to work, then you might as well maximize the value you're creating, the compensation you're making short, mid, and long term, and your happiness, right? And finding that perfect mix, I think, is critical. One book that I absolutely love by Napoleon Hill, it's a very old book, uh, is Think and Grow Rich. <laughs> and I think it's a book that, you know, if you're an entrepreneur and you're thinking about creating something very impactful, um, and having a life of meaning and, and happiness and value and, and success and, and wealth creation for yourself and for the community and the ecosystem you're around. I think it's just a heck of a book uh, with lots of great stories of, of the Henry Fords and the Rockefellers of the world and, and how they climbed to the pinnacle of their chosen fields and industries. I, I think it's a heck of a book. Kyle, thanks for coming on the show. Thanks so much. Thanks for listening. Be sure to add Andrew on Snapchat at Andberk. That's A-N-D-B-E-R-K. 
to see firsthand a day in the life of an entrepreneur in cities all around the world.